Hello everyone and welcome back to Another Mother, a parenting podcast by My Spring Harvest with me, Emma Borque. We are now three episodes in and I'm really loving it. If this is the first time that you are listening, then hello, welcome. I'm Emma, as I've just said. I am a mum of a three-year-old boy called Ezra and I've got a baby girl called Hallie and I am basically on a quest to get my parenting questions answered by some of the best people that I know. So far, the conversations have been really fun and I've been learning so much. So if you have listened to the previous episodes, I hope you have learned stuff too or you've just enjoyed these conversations. But I am so excited about today's episode because not only am I speaking to somebody that I've looked up to for a really long time, but I get to go to their house. So if you're somebody that watches this podcast on YouTube, rather than just the audio version, you're going to get a little change of scenery from my usual space in a moment. And that's a point actually, for anybody who is listening now, and you didn't know that you can watch it as a video as well, then head over to YouTube and just watch now. I'm waving at you right now. Hello, everybody. I never look right at the camera. Um, (laughs) I actually love watching stuff on YouTube, especially when I'm doing some chores like cleaning or clearing out a wardrobe. It makes me feel like I've got a little friend in the room with me. So if you're doing some chores and you need a companion, then I am here, guys. I'm right here on YouTube and I'm waving at you. Okay. Anyway, Back to introducing the guests. Sorry, that was real sidetrack. Today, I get to speak to Anna Smith, who is like legendary mother status, in my opinion. She is married to singer-songwriter Martin Smith, and together they've got six children, some of whom are now adults, and I think the youngest is in their teen years. So I really see Anna as someone who has gone ahead and walked this motherhood path for a long time, and she's got so much wisdom to share. I actually remember reading her book, Meet Mrs. Smith, shortly after I'd got married nearly eight years ago, um, because I just thought, oh, maybe I could get a bit of insight in what it's like being married to a touring musician. But I remember actually reading the book and then being really impacted by her perspective and her approach on motherhood and stories of how they really had a passion to have an open home. So she's always been somebody that I would love to sit down and chat to. So I am really pleased that I had this opportunity. And I hope that this conversation is one that brings you comfort wherever you find yourself today hello Anna hello and welcome to the another mother podcast amazing thank you for inviting me I feel incredibly privileged it's very good to have you you are like in my eyes you're the OG mother because (laughs) (laughs) you've got kids of all different ages Mm. how many children do you have in total um six six children okay so you've got six kids and they range what are the age ranges yes so ellie my eldest being 25 Mm -hmm. and mary's 15 okay so yes the youngest 10 years so that's actually quite a short span of time yeah to have six generally between all of them yeah Okay, two-year age gap. I've gone for the three-year age gap. Sensible. Do you think? <laughs> yes. Do you? No, I, well, swings and roundabouts, isn't it? Like, there are, there are benefits to having children quite close together, but also I understand why people <laughs> wait a little bit as well. So, yes. no, no, it's all good. Um, did you always know that you wanted to have so many kids? Well, not, it's not so many kids, yes. but did you always know that you went no. to have a big family? I think I probably knew I wanted, I would love to have had 
more than maybe two or three. Okay. Um, I'm one of five and I loved being part of a big family. Okay. Um, Martin's one of four. So I think, and I loved, I had my, my youngest brother, Ben, when I was 13. Um, so I kind of grew up with a baby in the house, which I absolutely loved. So I suppose I, yeah, I always wanted lots of people in there, lots of children and I loved it. And we are now in your very beautiful home. It's so lovely. Mm -hmm. Thank you for having me here. I feel like I'm on like a little podcast tour. So I'm usually (laughs) just sat in the little office at the end of our garden. So it's nice to be out and about here in your lovely house. It's lovely to have you. Um, But it's so beautiful. Like as soon as you walk in your house, it's you can feel the warmth. You can feel like you you put so much intention Mm. into your home, not just the decor, but like when you meet all of your children as well, and you see your family Mm. together as a whole there's like a real I would say there's a real strong like culture Mm. among you is that something that you've been intentional about like setting as we've got a culture for our family or we've Mm. got principles or values that we as a family kind of want to live by a great question I don't think I've ever consciously thought of that I think as I said growing up with my parents definitely had like an open house kind of value and I just knew that to be one, that it was fun. Um, you never quite knew who was going to be sitting around your dinner table or when you got back from school, who was going to be there. But also, I think um, having more people around just... I think I'm a nicer person as well. I think I I love that open home and, like, it just makes me be... I think I react nicer. I think I'm, <laughs> I'm just generally a, probably a little bit of a better person when there's more people around. Um, and I think the children do as well. And yeah. so that culture of open home, who wants to come over, it, it can be exhausting. And there are definitely times where you just need to be you as a unit. But um, I personally do love having an open home. Yeah, because it's and it's not even just the fact that you've got you and Martin and your six children It's that mm. you, you're always very open to having friends over family, your kids friends yeah. over. Is there ever a time when you're like, oh, my gosh, there's too many people or is it just there's never too many? Probably not me. I love okay. <laughs> there's never too many. I love having people over. But I do also um, some of my children and Martin at times are more introverted and I've probably had to learn the hard way uh that you know to have a few people around the table and have those one-to-ones or maybe some deeper conversations that you can't have with lots of people are super valuable as well and I've probably learned that that how important that is through yeah maybe getting it wrong sometimes and um yeah so I think swapping up is really good having an open home but also realizing that just just when there's a few people here or just even a few children, the special times you can have with, with them. So, yeah, a bit of all. Yeah, I, I saw this funny quote recently that was like, um, <laughs> why is it that um, introverted people are always being told to just like get out there yeah. and talk? Why is it not the extroverts being told to just be quiet for so a minute? True. <laughs> Absolutely true. And I get that. I do understand that. And I think after COVID for me, in particular, which I was really shocked about, I I struggled with having lots of people again. And it took me a little while. I became probably quite introverted and like quite liked my own safe space. So even having people after that season, I think it's a real thing. I yeah. think it's I understand, you know, how people can drain you. Um, yeah. But also how much life they can give you. So 
Yeah. And also, I guess among your having six children, everybody has different personalities. Everybody's so unique. And how how do you kind of adapt to that? Because I think it's so easy for us to be like, this is me. This is who mm. I am. And sometimes it's even hard for us to get to know ourselves. But then to get to know six other lives yeah. and adjust accordingly to make sure everybody feels seen and heard and valued or mm. served in the way that they need to be. Mm. How When did you kind of start to see different personalities, I guess, mm. come through? Is there like an age are you like they're born that way? Like when you've got a baby, do you know, okay, I think they're going to be like this? Yeah. Or is it like through their teen years you see it come out more? I think all of it. I think, and at different stages you can see, I think if you look out for those signs, you can, and to just, um, yeah, go with them. Go with, I think like what you touched on a bit earlier of, like just sensing that child maybe needs a bit of a, a space away from lots of people. You can facilitate that by finding a little corner in a book. You, they don't have to feel overwhelmed because they should be with their siblings and lots of other people in the room. I think it's spotting the child sometimes. One of the biggest things I ever learned, I think my incredible mum taught me it, is that it's not always the child that screams the loudest that should get the most attention. Mm. And I think just those few little things about sometimes it is the quiet one that you just need to look out for a bit more, ask them a few questions, um, spend some time. So I think it is like adapting to each child and what their needs are, and that can change. Um, when, when they're younger, you can see that maybe one just loves to be outside all the time, digging in the garden and you know, so therefore your life is spent outside doing that. Whereas as they get older, I think it swaps up definitely in the teenage years where they do, are a bit more introverted. They don't want to tell you as much. Um, and so having, again, having a house full of other people that maybe they will want to go and speak to that person over there and chat with them. And um, yeah, I just think it's different seasons and just learning to adapt with each child to what that season is and talking to them about that communicating I think as it's you know again you you learn through sometimes getting it wrong and I often learn through getting it wrong and and having that conversation with them now and and, and even now a lot of them are um well some of them are married and you know past those teenage years we still chat about you know the hard times that they had when they were a teenager and what I could have done better Oh, which wow. I, I really love those conversations because I've still got teenagers as well. So how do you kind learning. of, yeah, like how do you create that environment of them even feeling comfortable to say to you like, oh, this, you could have yeah. done this better? I think I ask. I, I really? think keep okay. that open conversation of not that you should have it all together, but then mm. if you ask those questions and they reply, you can say, well, actually, this is why I did that. You can have that conversation of, oh, that's really interesting that you felt that because this is what I was thinking you were going through. So it's just, I guess, just being really honest about that season when maybe they didn't feel they could talk to you and what was going on with both of you. So it's that, it's that conversation, yeah. saying sorry about the mistakes, moving on to the next. And not, I don't carry things very heavily. I am very quick to apologize and move on and forgive and those things I'm very grateful come quite easily to me yeah that's so good this is a bit of an unofficial question Love because that. it just popped to my mind but yeah. 
I noticed that recently um, Ezra started telling like little fibs. Oh, brilliant. Um, <laughs> so yeah. he's only three. <laughs> and it's, it's been since we've had Hallie. He'll mm. say, oh, Hallie did it about something. Well, obviously Hallie can't even move. So <laughs> she did not like tip the chair over and get out all the pens and draw on the sofa. Um, <laughs> and then he kind of says it with a smile. And then I'm like, mm. I don't know how much to be like, don't lie (laughs) or like I don't know how seriously to take it at this age to use it as a teaching moment or is it just like you know what kids just lie I think I think you can do both I think and at different times and it depends what it is I think but at this age at three they're just pushing your you know what what's mom gonna do if I say this you know what's her reaction gonna be so it's it's about um I don't know. It's they're pushing the boundaries, yeah. and they do that throughout life. They continually <laughs> oh, no. do it, and it's just working out the things that are important to you and the things, you know. I call them the negotiables and the non-negotiables. Those are the things that I kind of steer my life around. And so I think at three years old, where you're just trying to, you know, and you can just say, "Do you think? Do you think that Hallie could have done that?" Just. You know, and even with you with a smile on your face, you like, so you, he knows that you know, and you know, you know, you know what each other are doing. And I think just keeping that openness and that conversation, yeah, just one of, I mean, it's just beautiful. Beautiful that he wants to have a conversation with you and see what you say. It's just really sweet. That's a nice perspective to see it as just, yeah, like him in a way wanting to connect or wanting to explore this relationship more absolutely yeah I think yeah we can get a bit caught up on what's a teaching moment what what, should I discipline him here should I not but actually like you said it should just kind of be through relationship and yeah seeing that as a positive and there are other times where you think no do you know what that's you're pushing it yeah and I need to discipline here and then other times you know so I think you just feel the moment and just work out what's going to be destructive for him mm-hmm. uh, going into his next season you know is this something that I need to crack down on a bit more because it's getting you know more and worse yeah. and <laughs> the lies are getting worse yeah, more, and, elaborate. Know, more elaborate <laughs> so you just work with that don't you yeah no definitely so I think this time round so obviously I had Ezra three years ago mm-hmm. and then I've had Hallie now five months ago and I think I found the postpartum phase, Mm. which I don't really know technically how long that is meant to be because I feel like initially they kind of say, oh yeah, it's the first, I don't know, six to eight weeks or something. Mm -hmm. And then I saw this thing the other day that said, you're actually in postpartum for seven years. And then there was something where it's like, it's actually two years. And so I guess, I don't Mm. know, maybe it's just up to the individual to work out how they feel, how they're adjusting. But I think I found it harder this time to get back to feeling like me. Mm. I don't know if it's because I've got a three-year-old as well. So it's that you're constantly thinking of others. So maybe I'm not really doing the things that make me feel like myself again or whatever. Um, But then I also don't want to feel like I'm missing the magic Mm. of these baby days by feeling so in my head about like oh wait how can I get back to me again because is it really about that like is it about just being oh, present I remember I remember all of those it's almost yeah. like a bit of a brain fog lonely um sees it's it's really you know you're all you know is you're not on your on your game you know that you're not the rug's being pulled yeah you don't 
always know why and you don't know how long it's going to be for. And I just think it's it's an adjusting phase from I remember feeling it from having my first feeling like, oh, life's never going to be same again. Mm. And then with your second, you kind of go into this more, I don't know, baby world thing of saying goodbye to another part of you. I can't quite work it out. Um, And I think that it's a really tough transition. And I think that it's, it's saying goodbye. It's a bit of a grieving of something. And I know that that for lots of people, not, not for everybody, not everybody feels it, but I know that that is um, a real thing. Yeah. And I think, I think it's, it's really important to be honest like you just have been Emma I think that's half half of it yeah is to realize that you know you know your feelings because I think a lot of the time people don't they they're not aware of why they feel or 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 if they feel and so I think half of it is knowing that you do and then I think it's about giving yourself a bit of grace yeah and a bit more kind be a bit more kind to yourself what does that kind of look like? Like giving yourself grace or like mm. being kind to yourself? I think it's about being aware of how you're feeling each day mm. um, and doing as much or as little as you can. I think it's about talking to people. I think it's about um, um, actually doing stuff for other people. I think it's about being grateful and I think it's about serving. And I think it's... It is about, um, I think it's about just being really true to who you are and and not having to put on a face or having to be anything other than that. Yeah. And that, I know it, that in that season is really tough. Yeah. And I think especially as well now with social media and stuff like that, mm. you look at all the other ways that everybody else is doing it and then you think, oh, okay, wait, they do it like this. So does that mean I'm doing it wrong? Yeah. Or And you kind of compare yourself a bit too much sometimes, which isn't helpful. <laughs> so true. And I think, you know, when I was, when I was younger, we didn't, the, the things that were different were we didn't have phones. Yeah. Um, when I was first a mother, you know, so I didn't have all social media um so we didn't have those distractions or the comparisons to that degree it was very much I mean for me it was just who I was meeting at the school or in the nursery that that was it and so my heart my head and my heart and my mind just didn't have to cope with those things um it was more to do with what am I going to cook for dinner tonight and you know getting through with my child so I think that's definitely um a thing that's changed since I was a mum and I think it's it is harder yeah it's yeah it's just very different isn't it I guess and because you're seeing Ellie now your oldest daughter yes be a mum incredible mum it's just it must be what is that like for you seeing someone that you've raised now raising another human you're like what (laughs) yes and she is phenomenal she is an incredible mum so I'm incredibly proud of her and Tom um and and all that they're doing uh it is crazy though because it still feels like she's my baby having a baby is just oh yeah and and I I think I find it hard because I so love you know I so love Maccabee and want to be like often I overstep and Ellie is like mum he's not yours you know he's (laughs) my he's mine and so you just get so carried away in just being this other role 
um, which I'm learning how to do um, and trying to do the best I can. Yeah, it's so interesting though as well, isn't it? Because it's like you've gone through the whole season of having babies and toddlers and young children and then now your children are into teen years and adult years mm. and then you actually go back full circle again. Yes. And now you get to be, are you grandma or nanny? I'm, I'm or granna. 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 I love I'm that. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So yeah, now you get it. to be granna. Yeah. I'm just loving every single moment I have with him. Oh. And yeah, Ellie and Tom, as I said, are incredible. And I just, I'm very privileged to to be a part of of being a granna and, you know, getting to oh. love on him and, you know, be, be around him and yeah. then so, no, just loving it. Oh, I love that for you. Yeah, it is fun. <laughs> so um, as many people will know, Martin Smith is your husband mm-hmm. and he's had quite a big career, still has got quite a big career. Yeah. Um, and especially during the years of your children being young and having children, having babies, that his career was very busy at that time wasn't it yeah it was it was crazy it was how really busy. how was that for it you it was tough <laughs> and, and looking back and um yeah not quite sure how how, I, how that season it was it was quite crazy but um you know one of the things well there's loads of things that helped me through but one of the main things is is knowing we were in it together and that um this was our choice this mm. was our, not his choice but our choice um, and that that is definitely number one thing um, that we were in it together. So it was tough. It was tough for him to go away and leave his children. Yeah. Um, that and not everybody thinks like that either. But there were milestones that he missed because he wasn't there. Um, but also it was h- hard for me, obviously, being up at night and when the children got ill, he wasn't around. So yeah, but ultimately we knew that what Martin was doing by being away was a sacrifice but that it was one that we both felt was he was being we were being obedient yeah in it so I think that's definitely number one the other things that really helped me through that really you know obviously when they're super young it's quite hands-on and very physical was just having a community ours was church Mm -hmm. um that we went to was just unbelievable having that people around um was really really helpful and and I think um having you know my parents around and Martin's parents and my brothers and sisters we're all part of a community where we kind of helped each other out yeah um which was phenomenal um and I think that church was something that you know even though it was tough to get up on a Sunday and get all the children there it was and even you know I didn't used to be able to listen to much or take on board but that discipline I think for us as a family was one that I think was was really important looking back I think that that was that was really good and yeah without that I think I think I would have really struggled yeah because for how long at a time would Martin be away for yeah, he, they had a rule as a band. Um, it was like a 10-day rule. Okay. So they were only away for 10 days and then come back. But then they would often go again quite quickly. So <laughs> after that was like a day. <laughs> after a day. Like I remember like some of the hard moments of he would go and then he'd come back and then he would be trying to help me out feeding one of the children breakfast. And I'd be like, they don't have Weetabix anymore. They've got, on, you know, onto su- the next... I don't know what it would be like they're in Cheerios now like and yeah. he would be he would be trying to help me out but you know 
as as you know, with having small children, often swapped up quite a bit and things that they like one minute, they really didn't like the next. So, yeah. Yeah, it was it was busy and it was hard. And there were times I remember feeling incredibly lonely and, um, yeah, you know, God, what am I doing <laughs> with my yeah. life? What is this all about? Um, and that those were really hard moments. And, and in those times, I would call somebody, phone a friend, get out the house. I, that was one of the things that really I really believe in is at least once a day getting out the house, even if it's to walk around the block, just to get your head and your heart and fresh air, you know, whatever the weather, just to get out. That was definitely something that I was going to do every day. Yeah. But, um, no, there were hard times, but there were some amazing times. And maybe I just choose to remember the amazing times a bit more because there were loads of them. Yeah. And you see how you said that one of the important things was for you to feel like you're in it together. Mm. When you're, you are in it together, but you're doing very different roles. So yes. for example, you're very hands-on at home with all the kids. And then Martin is on a stage somewhere the other side of the world is there like um how, how do you find unity in that yeah or is it just like an overall conversation of like we've decided that we're going to do this so whatever comes our way in each of our roles we're just going to embrace it yes a bit of both yeah I think it's a bit of both and definitely there were times where he would call me and say I've just had this incredible day and I just would want to put the I didn't put the phone down but I would just be like great I'm so pleased you're having a great time (laughs) you know if only you knew what was going on back here you know but you just that wasn't the moment to be reacting like that but but there were definite moments where I was I was really cross and really upset that he was you know having the limelight and doing all these amazing things and life wasn't always great at home um yeah, so that those were tough moments and real moments. But like you said, I when you are on on slightly different pages, mm. when he used to you had to kind of find when he came back a place where you would both be on the same page. And often for me that meant going for a walk in the woods or getting out again, breathing and just being I, I'm definitely a verbal processor. Yes, yeah, so I am. Uh, are you <laughs> love so, words yeah love words so I would definitely have to go for a long walk and I would have to say all of my feelings yeah I would have to tell him absolutely everything I can't hide I can't pretend so even though I wouldn't often say it on the phone when he got home I'm afraid all of that came out and it often was a bit messy we'd often have a bit of an argument before he left and definitely have an argument when he came home it was kind of like <laughs> the bookends <laughs> the bookends were just a bit stressful yeah um and then as soon as I spoke about it and he was able to say you know we then kind of got onto the same page and did the next season. So yeah. that's kind of how it worked. A bit messy. Yeah. But Well, yeah, I think similarly to you, I'm definitely an external processor, but I found that sometimes it makes it hard for me to like sit with feelings of discomfort yeah. or to process them away by myself. Yes. So then I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to tell Isaac, oh, yes. <laughs> I need I need to get this out yes. because I need to work out how I'm feeling. But I've realized that sometimes it is actually necessary mm. to be in hard situations. And it's 
life isn't always just going to be easy. It's not always just going to be smooth. And there are lessons to be learned through the hard. But I still do find it really hard, like in the moment, to tell myself that and to not just try and worm myself out of it. I just think you learn. It's something you learn. It's something you learn to just know that this isn't the moment to say it. Mm. This isn't the moment. But it's not, you will say it and it's important to say it. But timing um, is really crucial. And down a phone or on FaceTime, whatever, is just not often the best way of being, of communicating at that at that time. I yeah. think definitely when they get home, when you're both, you both can have a conversation that is, yeah, just really real. Yeah. It's important. Um, another unofficial question, but... Um, <laughs> Love it. If, if any of these are your like, no. No, no, <laughs> just just, no, no, no I, I'm loving it. Um, but is there anything, so with you being at home, one of the things for me I realise is that I really like it when people say thank you. Yeah. Um, but when you're at home <laughs> with kids, yes. they don't say thank you. No. <laughs> Especially when they can't talk. Um but it, it can feel a bit difficult compared to if you've come from kind of working life. For example, I'll be sending emails and stuff like that. And you don't realize like how many times a day somebody says thank you to you. They say, like, oh, thanks for sending that document or thanks for this. Thanks for that. So you're constantly getting affirmed that you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're at home, you don't get that affirmation no. of like no. you're doing a good job. No. So was there ever things that I don't know, that Martin did that made you feel affirmed. Maybe if there's any dads listening to this. Yeah, that's great. Um, that's great. The things that are actually, because it's hard to put into words what it is that you need sometimes or like how you yes. want to feel appreciated because yes. you're like, oh, I just want to feel appreciated. And they're like, I, I do appreciate you. And you're like, no, tell me. Tell me then. <laughs> so yeah, is there anything that Martin did that you were like, oh yeah. He's very good. good at affirming me. He knows and I think this is what helped me keep going. He knew that it, he couldn't do what he was doing without me. Okay. And if he didn't tell me, I would remind him. <laughs> <laughs> like, definitely, this is a two-way thing. You would not be able to be doing what you're doing if I wasn't doing what I was doing. Um, and he is very good at... He would definitely He would definitely affirm that in me, which was great. But there were times where... Um, I think I probably needed more, I like affirmation yeah. um, than he could even give me because I just think the overload of the stuff that he wasn't seeing, the stuff that he wasn't seeing was so much that I think I had to find a place where I needed to find God, his affirmation for me. Yeah. So I needed, I needed my heavenly father to affirm that in me rather than looking to Martin and actually that that has been part of my faith journey is knowing that Martin is going to mess up he's not going to get it right he's going to not say the right thing at the right time and his heart is good and he's meaning well but actually I need to look to my heavenly father who sees everything he sees the small detail and the the thing that I do that kind of pushes me over the edge but I'm gonna do it because I know it's right and and I get such a I kind of have, I enjoy that secret place. Wow. I enjoy that place where only my my heavenly Father sees. Mm. Only He knows those sacrifices that I've made. And there's I I have found that joy in that. Um, I'm not probably describing that very well, but yeah. I just I just 
I think I've learned that that's all I need. Yeah. Is his, what he thinks of me and what he sees. And that has really, really helped me. That's really, um, over the years, I think that's all I, all I need is his approval. Him, me knowing that I'm, I'm in the right place and I'm being obedient and I feel his, his smile. Yeah. I feel his smile and I, that keeps me going. Oh, that's so good. It's so good. And it's so, it's almost like one of those things that our soul is so thirsty for and we, we can't live without it almost like we can't thrive without like kind of Mm -hmm. knowing God. And it's one of those things in maybe the earlier years with Mm. young children or maybe even with older children too, because I don't know what it's like when you get there, but it's quite hard to sometimes carve out the space and the time to speak to God and have those moments, have those quiet moments. Was there any kind of, um, yeah, thing or like routines or habits Mm -hmm. that you had to protect that kind of um, relationship with God and your quiet time and your me time even? Yeah, I think the quiet time and the me time kind of went out the window quite a long time ago. And I think with that comes a lot of guilt, comes a lot of, well, when, how am I going to get this moment now? Like, what does this look like? Um, And so I think there is a grieving again part of that of like, well, I can't even have a quiet time anymore. I can literally not, you know, I can't even have a shower, let alone a quiet time. How does this work? (laughs) So very early on, I just said to God, like, this isn't working. I don't know how to do this relationship when I can't have this. And so I've just, I think I've just asked him to be my everything and just like not have a quiet time or a moment But just whenever that happens, I'm just aware of his presence in everything to do with, you know, who to speak to at the school gates, to do with, I don't know, the most insignificant things sometimes. But just God be in my everything, be in who I need to call today, be in, you know, and I I put worship music on. I love having music on in the house continually. Um, So even that, I love worshipping as I'm doing a bit of housework, as I'm doing a bit of cleaning, have fill your your surroundings. In the car, I like like to shout in tongues. You know, that is something that I do. It's a little bit random, a bit weird. I and, love that. And it's after I've dropped Mary off from school. She wouldn't really appreciate that, I don't think. But, you know, it's just find, carving out times. I'm not going to be able to do as much. But now as I've gotten older, it's definitely seasonal. When I was had young children... It was just really tough um, and to be able to get that time. But now it's definitely, I do my word of the day every morning. I always do, um, uh, yeah, read a scripture before I look at the phone. It's that kind of like those sort of things that have really helped me is, you know, how do I want to start my day? And then praying for people throughout the day, you know, just people that I just think about, just pray for them. In, in my everyday and whoever's with me or in the car, you know, we, let's just pray for this. So it's definitely become more of a lifestyle. God, you know, seeing God in, in everything rather than a, a separate time. Um, and then when I do get those times, it's just beautiful. But um, I just know it's seasonal. Yeah. Um, and I think the biggest thing we can do is to feel guilty and feel like we're never doing enough as mums, as Christians uh, you know you just always think there's somebody that's doing a lot better than you and you know and I just think no just do what you can Um, and your heavenly father sees your heart and he knows he knows you know what's going on 
I'm just interrupting the episode very quickly to say that one of the things that Anna mentioned is her love of having worship music playing in the home. So I thought it could be really nice to put together a little playlist for you wonderful listeners in case you're stuck for ideas and you want that music in your home too. So I have included a link to a playlist in my latest article on myspringharvest.org. So to check it out, just go over to myspringharvest.org, create a free account, and you'll be able to see the article, get the link to the Spotify playlist, and you'll also get access to so many other incredible resources and pieces of content that I think will be really useful to you on your parenting and faith journey. So head over to myspringharvest.org now and enjoy listening to the playlist. Okay, let's go back to the conversation with Anna. Aside from just being, well, not even just, but aside from being at home with your children and raising them and just pouring everything mm. you have into that, your your world hasn't seemed to shrink the way that you would think it might. But instead, it feels like your world expanded. And yes. then you went on to write a book. Yes. And you do a lot of charity work, don't you, with the Safe Haven yeah, Women's yeah, um, Project and stuff. So how have you kind of worked out when is the right time to pursue other things or how you even navigate finding extra time to serve even when you're already serving so many people within your home (laughs) I I think that's it and I think again probably by getting it wrong um you know by doing too much and then thinking I'm going to pull back on something yeah um uh, but also I think continually seeing even when the children were little and it was chaotic I could make a dinner and just make a bit extra and give that to somebody Mm. so so when you're talking about serving or you know being super busy I think whatever you're doing I think do it to the best you possibly can so if that is being at home well who, who else's children can you have while you're at home or how can you how can you help your community with what you're doing so I think I think the you know don't limit yourself and that that's always helped me with um, expanding my world, whatever season I'm in, is to think, how can I do this? Um, how can I help more people and how can I do a bit more? Um, and, and again, sometimes when I was super overloaded, I knew to bring it in a bit and just yeah. think, you know what, we're, we're not going to invite the whole of the school <laughs> for dinner today. <laughs> we're going to just have a quiet one and snuggle up on the sofa. And that's beautiful as well. And just... Again, just knowing the seasons that you're in and the pressures that you're under. Some people are under a lot of stress with home life being tricky or, um, you know, living in all sorts of different scenarios. And I just think for lots of different people, they have different, we all have different battles, but it's also seasonal and just do the best you can with what you've got in the season you're in. Yeah, it's so helpful to speak to you because you've got that, that view of you've been through so many different seasons that you know that not everything lasts forever absolutely and so it's okay to just like not put the pressure on not every yeah. season has to be everything and you have to be at the top of your game all the time so true so true and there's really tough seasons that feel like they last forever yeah. I remember a season where one of my one of my children just wouldn't go to sleep and it was exhausting like she would walk down the stairs 20 30 times every evening oh my God. and I would be like beside myself like not knowing how I was going to get her to bed and that season felt like forever but it was 
I mean, it was like quite a few years. But like years? Oh yes, my God. It was, it was quite a long time. And still now she's, she's a little night owl. But, um, you know, it's just knowing how to best deal with that every single night. You knew it was coming. And how am I going to deal with it tonight? What are the, you know, I'd look up, I'd ask people, help me in this season. I think, again, that was another thing I would probably choose to do a bit differently I think I would want to be a bit more vulnerable I think I felt like I had to have it together because I had so many and I think being vulnerable and saying actually I'm really struggling with this can somebody has anybody else got any ideas I think I would do more of that Um, because I think there were some really tough seasons that I I should I should have just opened up my life a little bit more and been a bit more vulnerable but you know, again, you learn, don't you? I'm, I'm now being vulnerable at, you know, teenage years and it's, it's just different seasons. You learn so much. Yeah. You learn as you go and you are yeah. a fountain of wisdom now. So oh, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> You'll be getting just... hundreds of people throwing their questions at you. <laughs> so in one of the earlier episodes of the podcast, I asked one of our guests, which is actually my husband, Isaac, um, if he had a question that he would ever want to ask another mother or father. Mm -hmm. Um, And his question, I'm going to read it so that I don't mess it up. But his question was, if both parents have some kind of purpose that they would like to fulfill through their working life, is it ever possible to find a perfect balance between home, family and work? Or is it just a case of being aware of the different seasons of life? Oh, it's a wow. big question. Is, that's a huge question, isn't it? So we could tackle it in two, maybe. Is yeah. there? Is it ever possible to find a perfect balance between home, like family and work? If there is, I would really be interested in what that was. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know whether there is a perfect... Prob- there probably is a perfect balance... Um, between different people if you see what I mean like I don't think it's the same for everybody but there probably is a perfect balance that works for a couple Um, I'm just not sure it's the same for everyone yeah I think I think that's how I'd answer that do you kind of work out if you have like um what's the word like things that you want for your family or priorities for your family so then you're like these are the things that we have to hit yes and then anything else is like anything goes or do you just no I don't think I've ever I think everything has got to be up to yeah I like living like okay if God asks us to like swap that up how would that look Mm. I like living like that I like living on the edge a little bit of okay God if you took that away or if that was changed up or you asked that of us how would we cope with that how would we how would we do that as a family or what would that look like? Um, and how would Martin cope with that? How would I deal with that? Um, I think that's, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. Okay. And then the second part of the question is, oh, well, it's kind of the same thing, really. Is it just a case of being aware of the different seasons of life? I think that's true. I think, yeah, yeah, I think it is being aware of the different seasons. There's more things I think as my children have got older I feel like I can do where, whereas when they were younger, I just think it was so overwhelming Mm. um, and so full on physically and mentally. um, I'm not sure I, I could have, I could have gone there. Yeah. So I think it definitely changes within seasons, which is great. Yeah. 
No, it is. It is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And you have six incredible children now, some of who are married, are just fully fledged adults. How does that actually feel for you now? Yeah. Being like, I raised these children. Like, do you I'm have so... an encourage a word of encouragement before we close? No, absolutely. for mums who are in the thick of it right now, and they're just like, I want to yeah. look back one day and be like, Wow, I'm so proud of my kids and proud of myself for yes. raising them the way I have. Yeah, I just think keep keep going. Mm. Um, remember the amazing things that you did and the the sacrifices and and yeah, I mean, I they're their own people. I'm, I I look at them as they they've made some amazing choices themselves and if i've helped them um in any way to make incredible choices by anything that i've done i that that's amazing but to be honest with you i just think they're incredible because they've just chosen to yeah just make make good choices so yeah i'm really proud of them Oh, and I'm sure they're proud of you too, as their mum. (laughs) Thank you. But no, thank you so much for all of your wisdom and yeah, just sharing so openly and vulnerably was one of your goals. (laughs) Um, But no, yeah, we really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Another Mother. Don't forget to subscribe for future episodes and we would absolutely love your help in spreading the word about this podcast. So please do share it with your friends, share it with other parents, other mums that you may know, mums-to-be, parents-to-be, just anybody that you think might enjoy it. Thank you.